Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Francesco Pavone and I'm your host. And today me and you are going to talk about diet and diet culture. And uh, hey, diets are dead. They are time consuming. They are ineffective. They are stressful and they're just complicated to sustain. So if diets don't work, then what works? Well, I'm just going to share with you my whole philosophy and my whole ideas of about good nutrition and what good nutrition is. And um, I'm also going to start sharing my background story. And when I was first exposed to the diet culture, I was a young swimmer at the time, and it took me years to realize that that moment really affected and influenced my how I see dieting and how I see food, so my relationship with my body and relationship with, with the food that I eat. We're going to start the episode by a quote, so something funny, and um, we have no podcast recommendation because at the moment I am, uh, I switched my podcast time for uh, reading time i decided to commute to the to the gym with a tube and that's about an hour and a half of commuting which i will use reading before i was driving so that's an environmental choice that i made and also it's a way to automatically unlock an hour and a half of reading time which in my opinion is superior to listening to a podcast um so i i want to do more of it i want to read more books and uh, Let's get to it. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm so pumped up because in the weekend I was skiing. Skiing is one of my main passion. It reconnect with my mother um, because she taught me how to ski and uh, it was amazing. It's so much fun and uh, I will do it more. I will do more of it. Like, unfortunately, here in Austria, we can only do it in the winter months, but and it's uh, a great reminder uh, and hopefully it serves uh, as an inspiration for you as well uh, to just bring back your old passion. Uh, there are surely like some passions uh, that we can do more of. Um, for me, skiing is one of them. I can totally find places where to go skiing in the summer, but for some reason I like uh, the hot summer. So I like as well to ski in the winter, but during Corona, last uh, year, if I'm not wrong, like in uh, Italy and Europe, the uh, ski complex were closed. So I was very pleased to go skiing uh, last week weekend. Uh, and I'm so pumped up uh, to be here uh, with you today. So I have a quote for you to start uh, this uh, uh, podcast uh, episode. And the quote is from Neil Donald Walsh. And uh, it's uh, the following. So life begins at the end of your comfort zone. I think this is so true because uh, this is a little bit uh, one of the main reasons uh, why I I do what I do. So helping busy professionals, getting in great shape, uh, building some muscle, losing some fat. uh, And uh, the reason why those people struggle at the beginning, it's because they have the false uh, or perhaps not the right uh, or realistic expectations. So one of the expectations that many people have, and I was surprised about this, uh, um, it's that... uh, we should feel motivated all the time to do the things uh, that uh, keep us in great shape and great health, uh, that make us feel energetic. And uh, it just doesn't work like that. Uh, Our body, it's made to find comfort. So some level of constraint, and a constraint, it's uh, a limitation on your ability to act. So it could be, for example, having a calorie goal is a constraint. Um, but also having a step goal is a constraint. It's uh, something you, you without that constraint, 
you wouldn't do that. So you wouldn't eat a certain amount of calories, perhaps way less or way more, and you wouldn't do a certain amount of steps. So you would do way less or way more. So we need constraints to thrive. Constraints are necessary to evolve and grow and adapt. And the human the humans are made to evolve and adapt based on the challenges that they encounter. So clearly, like in 2021, we don't have the same struggles that uh, our ancestors had 2,000, 3,000 years ago because uh, we just have way more uh, food availability. So we have way more comfort. We have cars. We have a warm flat. We have a roof over our head, um, hopefully. Um, so you can see that our life is already way more comfortable. So there are certain uh, evolutionary traits um, and mechanisms that we still have, such as, for example, seeking food reward. Uh, but what changes uh, and what changed a lot is our surroundings, our environment. So, yeah, we need to keep this in mind. Uh, we need to keep in mind that uh, if we want to feel good and feel happy and feel healthy, we probably need to find a way to um, exit our comfort zone. And uh, whether if it's uh, with our relationships, uh, with our health, uh, with our career, with our fitness, with our diet, with our sleep, like there are things uh, that we can do more and we can do, um, yeah, things that are perhaps now slightly uncomfortable, but that we know that are good for us. So, for example, one thing that to me, it is slightly, slightly uncomfortable, it's uh, eating enough protein. So if I wouldn't have a goal, I would eat less protein that I am currently eating. And uh, I know that I, it's helping my goals. I know that I don't die if I don't match that. But I also know that there are some very good things happening to those people who are uh, doing something uncomfortable even every day. All right, that's uh, it for today's quote. I hope that's uh, inspiring you to do something slightly uncomfortable, slightly outside your comfort zone this week. And if you like, if you like to share that thing with me, just message me. You can find me at Pavone Fitness on Instagram. And I'm very happy to connect with our listener and even to observe and give you a little quick tip on, on your situation. Um, right. So today's um, episode, so it's about diet culture. I'm not sure you know what it is, but uh, hey, in the common sense, diets are generally like um, interpreted by people as uh, like following a meal plan or following a specific uh, um, strategy in terms of uh, our nutritional approach. But the reality is that we all follow a diet. I just wanted to make this clear because uh, um, this is a topic that confuses many people. Uh, like we all, our, our diet is uh, the sum of our food intake and our food behaviors. So we probably, you probably have some, uh, um, you know, you, you, you eat a certain level of meals every day, you eat a certain food, you eat more or less depending on the time of the week and the time of the day. So like we all eat differently and we all have different diets. So regardless uh, uh, of the fact that you're trying to um, apply an intervention, so whether it's uh, to improve your health or have better nutrition or perhaps losing some fat and gaining some muscle, like whatever it's your nutritional goal, you are following a diet right now. Now that diet can be improved and uh, can be more, more or less in line with your goal, can be more or less consistent, but you are following a diet. Now, 
when we talk uh, about uh, the common sense or the common term uh, of diet, we usually refer to applying an intervention. So it's usually like, I don't know, a low carb diet. It's an intervention that reduces your carbohydrates intake. So diets in the general term, in the common term, are not helpful. And uh, I make the argument in this show that uh, diets are dead. They are not something to focus on in 2022. Now, the reason why they are not good is because they are time consuming. Like we don't have a lot of time spare to train and to do the things, our hobbies. Like I, I can't say that I have a lot of time to go skiing. Um, so, you know, the time that I spend skiing, it's uh, relatively small in comparison to all the things that I do in the week and in my day, in my year. So we don't have time. Uh, diets are stressful. Usually when uh, we lower our carbohydrate intake, for example, it's just stressful because there are scenarios where we might like to have a little bit more carbs availability. Um, so yeah, they're complicated. Most of the time, like it's complicated. It sounds easy and simple to eliminate carbs, for example. But when you deal with the practicality of uh, implementing that diet into your life, well, they're actually not so easy. Um, and uh, certainly they're complicated to sustain. So I'm sure you met someone who follow a particular diet and said, like, I don't know, a ketogenic diet and said, okay, I, when I follow the ketogenic diet, I lose 10 kilos. So following the ketogenic diet is a good thing for me when I want to lose fat. Now, I also make the argument, um, and my argument is more of a question usually, it's uh, how did it go after the diet is finished? After you finish the diet, what happened? Well, I gained all the weight back. Okay, so as a coach, I can easily say that that approach, it doesn't help you. It doesn't work for you because it, does, it failed at promoting health even after the program is finished. So the program itself, it's not sustainable. Okay, so, hey, if you're here looking for something that uh, gets you in shape, improve your health, and help you reaching your goals and, and much more, well, that approach uh, might not uh, be what you're looking for. So I just wanted to share a, a little bit uh, about my story and when I was first uh, exposed to the massive diet culture and how I was not aware of it at the time. So. I used to be a professional swimmer and uh, I used to swim since, uh, I mean, I've been swimming, I had been swimming since I was uh, two years old. So I was always hanging around the swimming environment and uh, we were like uh, a lot exposed to body shaming and diet culture. So for example, we had the strict food rules, like it's crazy, but uh, we wouldn't be uh, allowed to eat pasta for dinner because our coach was uh, really convinced that eating carbohydrates for dinner would um, um, you know, be stored as fat. Uh, at, the, at the same time, we had all uh, like dessert, like ice cream and chocolate, and biscuit for dinner, after dinner, after like a steak and vegetables. So, you know, that was not optimal and there were like a lot of sugars and carbohydrates, but we had like uh, the evil, <laughs> don't eat pasta. And, uh, um, our coach was like as well uh, uh, very judgmental in our uh, uh, body appearance. So, for example, after the summer, perhaps this happened to you. Uh, I know it's something very common. It happens in many across many different sports. But after the summer, we would be screened by the coach and the people who gain a little bit more weight, which uh, after like 
a year of like uh, hard workouts, I think it's also reasonable to have like three, four weeks a year where you allow yourself to gain a little bit of weight and you don't follow necessarily like a particular strategy. So in our case, perhaps like the men's or men or women really like they uh, would gain uh, two, three kilos over that period of time. Some people gain as well six kilos and we would be all weight on the on a scale in front of everyone. And the people who gain more weight were usually a bit teased by the other with jokes and funny jokes, which at the time I thought were funny. And um, I remember when some t- one time, I think I was 18 or 19, the two coaches came to me and said, hey, you store too much fat in your bum. And I was like, really? Do I have a fat glute, fat bum? Um, so yeah, that made me think. And uh, cl- clearly like swimming, it's also a lot, like you spend a lot of time naked, like just with a speedo. So you, the people see your body a lot and you know this during training. So there are people who are totally okay with it, but I was definitely on the side of the spectrum of people who cared about their appearance. So I was like, okay, I cannot gain a lot of fat because I need to you know, show my body. I don't want to look fat. I want to look uh, with a six pack. So um, th- that was uh, like my first exposure to diet culture where being lean, it's good. Being fat, it's bad. Okay. And the leanness we are talking about, it's uh, very lean. Like we're talking about uh, shredded lean, like probably around 10 or 11% body fat. So totally, definitely like we don't need to no, not everyone need to aim to that level of body fat to be healthy and to be happy about uh, his fitness and his health um also i i, I developed like a strange relationship with my lower body because of that and uh, we can argue that there are connection to that episode where uh, those two coaches came and uh, made an observation uh, about my lower body and I took it a little bit as a failure at the time. And I started to, you know, be on my case on uh, about my legs. So years later, we're talking about at least 15 years later, I decided to uh, really show to myself that I could get leaner in my lower body. Because at 26 years old, I still hadn't seen a definition, a muscle definition in my lower body. So I step up my game um, and I said, okay, I really want to figure out how I get some definition in my legs. So let me get a coach. I need to get some support from someone who did it already. And uh, the coach at the time was Pascal Flor from Revive Stronger. Um, Steve Hall um, is the founder of Revive Stronger and they have a great uh, podcast. So go and check it out It's uh, if you're interested about uh, uh, learning more about um, uh, training and uh, nutrition uh, for uh, physique athletes, uh, totally check it out. They have great guests and great content. And uh, I had a great experience. So I was able with the, the accountability of a coach uh, to defeat many monsters. Like one in particular was the idea that I would never see some definition in my legs. Okay. So that's not true. And uh, I thought that I had like some um, genetic issues that my legs were just too big. I always had big calves. And uh, I tend to store fat easily in my lower body. And also like my lower body is very responsive to training. But, um, you know, when it comes to getting shredded, getting lean, seeing some definitions or reducing the body fat on my legs, I always struggled. I never managed to do it in the way I wanted 
alone. So with the coach, that was uh, the key to me because it allowed me to defeat those uh, demons, uh, those doubts that I had uh, about me, those self-doubts. Um, so uh, let me think. Uh, yes, uh, uh, well, the um, bodybuilding competition was really a... Um, a moment where I realized that I could do it with the right uh, accountability. Um, also, like we had uh, particular like weird uh, rules, like for example, we had a rule that uh, you shouldn't eat pasta and bread together. And um, these uh, strict food rules uh, don't help because uh, sometimes, uh, you know, as a coach, uh, I wouldn't see any problem now in eating pasta and bread. I do it sometime and really not together, but like perhaps you have a dish of pasta and we used to call uh, like we, we call Italians call it scarpetta. It's where you take a piece of bread and you use it to uh, collect the remaining sauce in the dish after you finish your mm, dish of pasta. So that's uh, very cool because, uh, uh, you know, you, you eat it and you really like it's a way to honor the meal, in my opinion. So you can imagine that uh, after I learn and develop this interest towards uh, good nutrition and nutrition for performance, nutrition for health and nutrition for body composition, I was very and more than pleased to realize that uh, those strict rules are not necessary because uh, people are diverse. We all differ for bodies, physical bodies and physical abilities. We all have different life experiences. We all have different needs and desires and dreams. We all have different preferences. We all like different things. Like you might not like peppers. I might love peppers. Um, we might have different dislikes. So we might dislike different foods. Um, we might have different, uh, we surely have different personalities. Um, we have different skills. So different problem solving abilities, for example, we all have different attitudes uh, about like change uh, and trying new things. Uh, so again, like uh, you might uh, see online that you have this new great diet uh, and when you try it and when you look at it, uh, it doesn't really fit into who you are and uh, what you're willing to try. So what do you do? Well, you make an adaptation of it uh, or, uh, you know, you try a part of it uh, and then you end up uh, with uh, without the result that you expect. Uh, because uh, the diet will say, or the people who promote the diet will tell you that uh, no you have to do it like 100% in order to see some results and those are bs by the way so uh, we all have to nutritional levels so we all differ uh, mm, for what we uh, know and what we mm, can do today and most importantly what we can do consistently. So for example, I remember that uh, back in the days uh, where I stopped swimming and I remember that I wanted to keep like a, a certain level of uh, cardiovascular conditioning. So I remember that I would go running in the morning like 5.30 and uh, fasted because I believe that that was the key. So I would go for a 10K run trying to replicate like an, at least an hour of high, moderately high intensity activity. Um, and burn a lot of calories to then come home and eat, uh, um, you know, I can do it. And I did it. I did it for a few weeks. Um, I kept up with it, uh, but then I stopped doing it. So if you stop doing it, whether if we take a look at resistance training, I started right away after I finished um, swimming. That was 2016. And I've been consistent. I've been consistently hitting the weights at least four times a week for the whole time. And it was not a, a challenge because uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Why? Um, 
but yeah, we all have as well different communities. Uh, we have different psychology, different uh, uh, biology. So we can't uh, follow the all the same diet. We don't. We shouldn't find uh, um, you know the diet that that fits everyone. So you might wonder, like, if not uh, dieting, then what should be should we focus on? Well, I, that that's exactly the point and the focus of this uh, show, um, and, and that's one of the questions I had at the beginning of my coaching career, where I tried to develop a framework. And a framework, uh, it's uh, a, a something is a system. It's uh, um, it's a way to solve a problem uh, with a standardized. Uh, method so the method cannot be a diet that is the same for everyone for the reason that i just mentioned so um what we started to developing uh, it's uh, a biopsychosocial approach so keeping in mind that every eating scenario every eating uh, moment it's a um, it's a behavior that happens at a specific time in a specific place with specific thoughts and emotions and with specific people. And so um, it's uh, a result, really, it's a phenomenon. It's a result uh, not only of this, okay? Um, so it's a result as well of your biology, so how hungry you feel and your body fat and your insulin sensitivity and all these kind of things. So what's going on inside your physical body? It's a result as well of your psychology. Perhaps uh, your grandma told you to never skip breakfast. So here you are having breakfast when you're not really hungry. And uh, ultimately, we are eating because of our environment. We are, like I have a rule, if uh, a food is in your environment, you will eat it. Okay, so if, it, if, it, if a food is around you, you will eat it. So we are the product. Uh, also, you will eat if you are offered food, uh, you will eat, uh, you know, to celebrate. You will eat because all the other people are eating. So you can see how your environment and the people and the physical things that you have around influence your behavior. They don't dictate, but they influence heavily. I think this is a massive important um, distinction. But yeah, if uh, so, once uh, you have uh, this biopsychosocial approach, so you keep in mind that your what you are feeling right now is very particular to you in terms of food and, and eating. And also, like, um, talking about uh, the challenges of uh, maintaining the same approach and, uh, um, you know, having a sustainable method, something that doesn't give us the urge to escape from that method. We then have to agree on the fact that uh, fat loss diet are the most challenging in terms of uh, constraint because uh, we will feel hungry. So, um you know, it, it's it's a, it's a challenge that many people have. They try to lose weight. They feel super hungry and they keep feeling the hunger. So they hold on for a few weeks and then they have a massive day of binging or they start cheating a little bit on their plan every day until the point where the fat will stop and they don't, they are a bit confused. They're left with nothing. They don't know what to change. Um, so it's not bad to try to lose fat though and for some people it's uh, really healthy to work uh, on lowering the body fat so given the fact that uh, the fat loss diet it's not sustainable and is also can be healthy for many people how to look at it well we need uh, to really start having a multi-phasic approach to diet because if you look at the seasons and uh, um, you know your surroundings and your habits your seasonal habits Think about the winter months. 
Um, this is not to say that everyone should gain weight over winter, but it's just an observation that it makes sense for many people to gain a few kilos over the winter, just because it's nice to have a little bit of comfort food as well as part of our regular eating. Um, of course, when it's not eaten in overly like like crazy quantities uh, so that we gain a lot of weight that would be unhealthy as well but if we have the availability to eat a little bit more during the winter and um, we just eat a little bit less during the summer i think this is totally cool because many people they don't feel like eating as much during the summer and they have no problem eating like more fruits more vegetable uh, more yogurt uh, more like fresh uh, um, as well, protein serving, like exactly like yogurt or shakes. So given these circumstances, for those people, it totally makes sense to do a quick fat loss diet. We're talking about between eight and 12 weeks uh, before the summer and then spend the rest of their life uh, trying to work on something else. So um, having a multiphasic approach, I think, is uh, essential to have uh, a good nutrition. So what uh, should we, again, we, we said that we should have a biopsychosocial uh, uh, approach to our uh, nutritional approach, and uh, we should uh, have a multiphasic approach to our uh, um, eating strategy, because uh, in different times of our life, we will want uh, different things. Um, and uh, yeah, totally like a good uh, um, nutrition, it doesn't... Uh, promote just the outcome. So it's not just about losing weight or, you know, sleeping better, but it just promotes more your behaviors. So it helps you to implement the good habits. It focuses on what you do versus what you achieved. Okay. Because your results are volatile. How much can you control if you lose two kilos? Do you know when it's going to happen? Do you know exactly how how fast you will lose them so how much weight will you lose every week and every day no you don't have that certainty like you have the certainty that you can drink a glass of water now so a good nutrition uh, promotes your healthy habits not uh, just the outcome mm, also like good nutrition uh, it's uh, a eating series of behavior okay um, which is uh, something that you can sustain. So it's something that you can sustain for a long time because uh, um, you know you understand the underlying principle. And this is the following time, uh, the following thing. If uh, a diet fails to teach you the basic principle why it works, well, then uh, it's not a good diet. Um, if you have to follow it blindly in order to make it work, uh, it's not a good diet. Um, a good diet also, um, it's aligned with what you can do today. So uh, again, given uh, the, uh, the, the some research also su su support this, uh, if you, uh, it's not so much important, uh, uh, the particular food choices that you make, but what's more important is that you are aware uh, uh, and you're trying to eat better. Okay, so these are two different worlds. In one case, you're blindly executing a plan, hoping that it works. And uh, um, in the other case, you're constantly making better choices. And I just want to give a little inspiration to everyone. Every time, even if you can't have access to a gym, even if you don't train right now, even if you're staying static a lot uh, and you have the feeling that you're stuck and you don't know what's a good thing to do next, uh, Keep in mind that your 
every day, multiple times a day, perhaps three to five, you have your legs under the table and you eat something. There is some food in your mouth. Every time you eat, there is something that you can do, whether if it's uh, about regulating your uh, eating behavior or choosing food that gives you better digestion or uh, um, just planning, planning, time management, uh, setting priorities, uh, um, eating enough nutrients, so making sure that you have in, enough uh, macro and micronutrients for your diet, uh, and uh, making sure that you have enough calories, uh, not too much and not too many, not, not too little. Um, uh, or you could manage stress. Uh, you can uh, wonder uh, about how to choose better foods. Like These are things uh, that takes time to be implemented and learned. Um, so yeah, it's uh, something that you can do today. Mm. That's something that I, we always check with our clients. It's during our coaching, coaching calls and coaching consultations. We ask them at the end of the call, okay, from one to 10, how willing and how sure are you that you will do the things that we discussed today? And if they say seven, I ask them like, why not eight? Why, why did you choose seven? What's, what's stopping them? And until I get an eight, we, we keep going. Okay, we might change as well, focus. Uh, because if I know that a client is not ready to implement a certain thing, why should I force him to do it? Okay, change, effective change, behavioral change doesn't happen when we try to force uh, ourselves to change. It happens when uh, the change proposed is aligned with our ethics and with our thoughts and with our worldview and our values. So that's my last next point. It's uh, a good nutrition should promote and should be aligned with your values. So if uh, one of your value is, for example, that uh, to enjoy food, you shouldn't track it. Okay. But it should be intuitive. There are many people who really believe that then, uh, you know, approach intuitive eating, steer away from calorie counting, even if uh, on paper, calorie counting will work for you because, uh, you know, calorie counting, uh, it's, uh, you know, just a, a number thing. I heard one time a coach saying uh, numbers are numbers. So if numbers don't add up, then you don't lose weight. And it's true on a paper and in uh, a laboratory, if you're not in a calorie deficit, you will not lose weight. And a calorie counting, a calorie tracking method, it's only a method, okay? So it's one of the many methods that you have to increase your food awareness. So don't think that there is only one way. Sure, it might work for you, but since you are not uh, believing in it, it's not part of your values, not yet, not today. Maybe it will in a couple of years, and uh, to open up to that opportunity and that possibility, you might need to do a couple of years of intuitive eating first and then approach calorie counting. Or perhaps you are someone who likes to have everything under control, you are the opposite, and you don't like following an intuitive approach. Well, then, you know, approach calorie counting first and then learn how to do it intuitively. So it's really like important that that's why it's uh, when, when someone asks, it's a very challenging question for me, when someone asks me, oh, what's your philosophy? What's your philosophy in training and diet? Uh, I like the the without like opening up an hour conversation. Uh, the easiest thing that I can uh, answer to that uh, it's uh, eat healthy, train dirty. So um, yeah, it's like eat clean and train dirty. Like train hard and eat well. So to eat well clearly, like to define that, uh, it's not a single nutrition or a single coaching philosophy because we are all bloody different. So I really need to keep in mind the different uh, 
Um, and there are people who work on the same goal, but they have a very different worldview, very different uh, things they are willing to do. So I cannot have a, same, a single um, coaching philosophy, a single approach, if I want my best, uh, the best for my clients. And you can bet, you can bet that the thing I care about the most, it's my client's success and my client's health. I want them, all of you, if you're listening to this podcast, keep in mind that all I have in my heart is that you are happy and that you're healthy and that you feel like you achieved that um, result. Okay, so um, it's it's really important. And I cannot have the same philosophy also in the way I talk and in the way I uh, consult that client. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a, an amazing journey. If you are considering becoming a coach, um, I really encourage you to study a lot because, uh, um, you know, coaching is uh, <laughs> including like many different topics. So you have psychology, you have uh, nutritional uh, science, uh, you have uh, training. So you have methodology and exercise physiology and human anatomy and biomechanics. So you have like a lot of different topics, but it's a beautiful art. Okay. And it's an amazing job, super rewarding and super healthy as well. And necessary because we all need a coach. Like I said in a previous episode that nobody needs a coach, but all everyone will benefit from it. So there is a big uh, opportunity for coaches because uh, we all need to hear your story. We need, we need more coaches in the world. Um, so yeah, um, other things about uh, good nutrition. Well, it's um, a science, okay? So it's not a set of belief. It's not, uh, um, you know, it's some sort of closed... Uh, um, series of uh, things that you need to believe in. No, you can have your own set of values and you should. Um, this is a science, uh, so it's based on principle and it's constantly updated. So we have new research coming on. So it's really important to understand the basic principles. Hey, master the basic first. And um, in order to like as well understand the latest research, because you might have like a, an eight weeks uh, randomized trial on uh, the effect of protein on health, I don't know, saying that protein are really bad for your health when you have like thousands of studies like that support the opposite. So it's important to also being able to read the, um, the science. Um, good nutrition uh, teaches you the basic, okay? Um, good nutrition control, energy balance. Uh, hey, your weight is important. So you might have a very healthy diet, but if you're gaining weight and you've been gaining weight for the last 10 years and your body weight... Um, and your body fat are at a unhealthy level, well, we can say that that approach is not super healthy for you because it's not promoting health. Now we get to what health means, but, uh, you know, controlling your energy balance, it's not bad. Um, it's uh, not necessarily like the main focus right away for everyone, but keep in mind that at some point you want to make sure that you know roughly how much food you're eating in terms of energy and calories. Good nutrition improves uh, skill building. So it's not something um, that uh, uh, focus just on a goal, like uh, um, you need to get uh, better food. Okay. Or like you need to improve your diet. Okay. Improving your diet involves a series of daily action and a series of practice and a series of skills. So good nutrition improves and um, focus on skill building also, good nutrition, I think this is one of the most important points. Um, and I can tell you this. So when I was 6% body fat at my last bodybuilding competition, 
watch me competing again this uh, year, I'm considering a crazy idea of competing in Italy, Austria, and UK. Uh, but let me know if you want me to compete in uh, perhaps your country. I, I, I love that. I love to connect with you guys. Um, and I used to be, I used to look great. Like people would stop me at the gym and, you know, uh, ask me advices because I really looked shredded. But uh, I felt really bad. So there are uh, uh, moments where you might look at other people and uh, they look super healthy, but they're not healthy inside. So good nutrition, um, um, good nutrition improves the way you feel, the way you look, and the way you perform. So have you ever heard of the four F? We talked about it before in the podcast, but the four F are fitness, function, fat loss, fun. We all want these four things but we just want them with different degrees uh, depending on the time that we are living um, in our life. So, for example, when you are 30 years old, you might care about body composition and strength. But when you are 50 years old, you might uh, care more about uh, your longevity and less about body composition. And mm, But still, you would care a little bit about body composition and you would care about health and uh, you wouldn't care so much uh, about uh, performance, perhaps. It depends. And those four F, they might have and will have different uh, degrees for uh, different importance for all of you. But what's important to keep in mind is that we all want them somehow, okay? So keep in mind that we don't have just one goal and we can develop different goals. We can work on different goals at the same time or better said, uh, uh, we, as you are working towards one goal, you can develop other skills that are good and setting you up for success for other goals in the future. Okay, so after your fat loss diet, after you lose your first uh, five kilos, 10 kilos, 15 kilos, and you see your abs for the first time, you might want to build some muscle. And getting stronger and building muscle, it's something that uh, goes very well and like at, at the same time. Um, so what else? Well, again, so these are for me what good nutrition means. And, and that's uh, to me like uh, difficult to explain in a brief post or a brief uh, social media story. Um, just because uh, you know, we all have uh, different uh, um, scenarios, uh, different uh, health. And uh, by the way, what health, uh, what does health mean? Uh, I, I mentioned earlier that good nutrition uh, um, improves deep health. So deep health, uh, it's not just physical and mental health, which are totally part of it. So uh, physical health, for example, you, you, you might feel pretty energized. Okay, so physically you're feeling good. Um, mentally, you might feel alert and focused and competent and thoughtful. So you learn, remember, and you mm, solve problems well, so you feel good mentally. But what about uh, your surroundings? What if you live in a very crowded uh, place and very loud place? So you have environmental health. The people who spend a lot of time in nature and they live close to nature, they live longer, okay, usually. Um, not everyone, so, you know, different uh, differences, uh, individual differences apply. But also, like, what about you have a very unsupportive relationship and very, like, um, a relationship full of uh, arguments uh, that is a weight for you. So also you are isolated and you have not so many relationships. So your relational and social health is not amazing, or perhaps it is. So emotional and social health, uh, it's another degree of health. And then we have... Um, existential health so this is a big deal 
for um, for example when i was uh, in the army uh, as i was a professional swimmer i remember that i thought uh, oh my god i don't see myself doing this for the whole life okay and at the time it sounds stupid now but it was really not stupid at the time and if you felt like this in your life uh, i feel you i understand how you feel it's uh, i just uh, didn't think it was possible to do something else i didn't think um, that that path gave me a sense of meaning i i it, i thought that it was uh, unnecessary so i was existentially stressed because of it and when i changed my job when i gave up to the so i quit the army gave up to a very social uh, very safe job i would say so um, from the state so social job and uh, as soon as I became a coach and a trainer, it was a no-brainer for me. As, like from the first client I had, and I spent that hour with, I, I remember his name is Andrew. Uh, perhaps you are listening, Andrew. Hey, you know, my buddy, my first client. And, and he was very successful as well. He built a lot of muscle, got, got in great shape. Um, and uh, I knew that I was in the right place. So my existential health got way better. And then we have the emotional health. So you know, how you manage your, your emotions. Um, do you feel calm? Uh, do you feel aggressive? Do you feel hopeful? Do you feel positive? How do you feel emotionally? And we, hey, our day is an emotional roller coaster. So we, our emotions are influenced by what we eat, what we do, what we think, how we sleep. So there are many things that influence our emotion, but we can have like more or less stable emotion during the day. So, you know, again, Emotional health is a big deal. So as, as you can see, when you say, hey, good nutrition improve health. Well, it's not so easy, right? So that's uh, why um, we need to keep in mind that uh, good coaches don't have one approach. Good coaches have multiple approaches uh, because humans uh, um, need uh, that. We all differ for some things. Um, also, uh, research suggests that uh, the best diet is really the, like there is no such thing as the best diet and the best diet is really the one that you can sustain and that you can do today um, also i would say that the best diet is the one that uh, and we, we 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 listed a few things uh, to consider but the best diet is really um the one that you can stick to like the one that you can do today that you can stick to and uh, the one that you are curious about. So for example, you might already think, uh, um, this is uh, uh, something I was pondering about after our uh, interview with Karina Inster, go and listen to it. There was two episodes ago and uh, it's worth it, I think. Um, so go and check it out. But she said, I really believe that eating animals, uh, it's uh, not good for my ethics. So for her, it was, uh, she wasn't born vegan, so she ate uh, a, a normal I, i'm not sure which kind of diet which kind of type of diet but uh, she ate pretty normally like she was taught um in uh, until she was uh, 14 or 15 and then she became a vegan so she becoming a vegan was a, a easy step because for her was uh, also like she had to find out uh, how to do it but those things becomes uh, solution oriented uh, challenges like her her approach to those challenges were like okay we need to find a solution uh, rather than oh oh my god i need to cook so many beans no it's not like that that happens if that choice um it's not aligned with your ethic and not aligned with your values so if you find yourself difficult to sustain a vegan diet 
Um, but you think that is aligned with your values, perhaps is not so aligned with your values. So an exercise, I would go back to the values setting exercise and just really ask yourself if it is really important for you not to kill another animal um, in order to survive yourself. Um, I, I think like as well, if you consider the multiphasic approach and, uh, you know, the period in your time, in, in your life where you ate some sort of meat or animal product, well, it's fair to assume that um, um, perhaps, uh, you know, a good thing for you to start with, it's reducing meat consumption and animal um, product. So you do your choice. You It's a choice that is aligned with your ethics and your values, but it's not all in extreme veganism um, because you're just not ready yet and giving yourself some time as well to change. So, yeah, uh, I really wanted to make this episode uh, because um, I, I want you guys to know as well where I developed my approach um, and uh, what pushed me to uh, do this podcast, uh, this show, and to become a coach. So, hey, if uh, you want to support the show and if you like this episode, if you found it helpful, if you got something out of it, uh, number one, just keep in mind that if you share it with a friend or two, that'd be amazing. That'd be an amazing support for me because uh, when you share it uh, and more people uh, um, look at the show, more people like it, more people leave reviews, uh, this increases search visibility. So we basically grow together, we reach more people. And when you share it with a friend or two, we have you inspire them to change. So I really appreciate uh, if you take the time uh, to just copy the link uh, and, and share it like with a group or uh, just your best friend or someone in your family. I really respect that and appreciate it. And that's uh, uh, all from Coach Francesco. Ciao, ciao.